Greetings out there in podcast land. You're listening to the OK Pop Radio Hour. Hello, welcome to the OK Pop Radio Hour. I'm Jeff Moore, Executive Director, and I'm here with Jared Gallaher and Meg Webb, part of the OK Pop team. And we have a special interview today with John Woolley and Brett Bingham. They are the authors of the new book on Kane's Ballroom called 20th Century Honky Tonk, the amazing unauthorized story of the Kane's Ballroom's first 75 years. Welcome, John. Welcome, Brett. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. It's nice to be with you. So, thank you as well. Yeah, let's let's get let's jump right in because you know Canes is one of those unbelievably uh, significant um, honky tonks, as you all phrase it. How what 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 was the in- inspiration to to do this book? Brett, you want to take that one? Well, for me, um, I have been in and around the music business all my life, and um, I, everywhere I went outside of Tulsa, people had Kane's Ballroom stories. Um, I can tell you one particular trip uh, to Denver with my uncle. My uncle's a promoter, been in the business. He used to book shows at Kane's in the early 60s. Um, we probably had six to eight conversations with different people that all revolved around Kane's. And the idea, at least in our mind, was like, I wonder why there's never been a book. We got home from that trip from Denver and reached out to John and, um, you know, he said the same thing. I don't know why there's never been a book. And um, we just kind of started thinking about it. And then one thing led to another and it took another four or five years before we started it. But um, it was just it was just an important piece of history to, to me growing up and my loves for Western swing music and Bob Wills and Johnny Lee Wills in particular. And um, it just seemed like it needed to be, a story needed to be told there. And John agreed, and and here we are, finally. It's almost 20 years later. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it also took a while um, because it took me a while to understand just what the significance of the Canes Ballroom was to, well, to Western Swing, to the music that became known as Western Swing, and what a role it had in popularizing that music. And, you know, I've, I've, I've Jeff, I've, you've heard me say this before, I know, but it's like what, what jazz is to New Orleans and Kansas City and what the blues are to Memphis, that's what Western Swing is to Tulsa. And when you talk about Western Swing, you have to consider Kane's Ballroom as the epicenter of the whole thing. And I, I'm a huge Western Swing fan, as you know, I have a Western Swing radio show. And uh, the Western, the whole Western Swing thing is very important to me. And that was a story that really needed to be told while they were still, we were lucky enough to start it in when there were still people left to tell it who were part of almost that first generation. Yeah, it really is just unbelievable the the number of of people that have been entertained and entertained at Kane's ballroom and um what where do, where do you start on something like this well we started with Tate Brady is that who's a name that uh, a name that has fallen into some disrepute lately but uh we, you know you start whenever you're figuring out about where to start a book the best thing to start at the beginning and go chronologically and uh, and that's essentially what we did. Um, you know, the, it, it seemed like the place Tate Brady built it in 19, uh, 1924. 
uh, and uh, it was supposed to be a, a car dealership, a dealership for Huffmobiles, which were kind of eh, kind of like Fords in that price range, a kind of a, a, a lower-priced car. I don't think there, a Huffmobile ever set tread in, in that building because very early on it became a dance hall called the Louvre. Now, why? That's one of the great mysteries. Uh, there are mysteries in the book that we weren't able to solve, and one of them is why did Tate Brady call the place the Louvre? Why was it named after a Paris art museum when it was a Tulsa dance hall? I have no idea. But he <laughs> named it the Louvre, and it's been a dance hall. You know, it was dance hall ever since. So would you guys describe Kane's Ballroom as possibly one of the most you know, historically important venues in the United States? I would. Brett, don't you agree? I, I do, too. And if nothing else, just because of the um, the, the birth of Western, or where, as John calls it, the, the maturity of Western Swing. Um, it was maybe born south of the Red River, but it, it matured in, in Tulsa and in Oklahoma. And I think if no other, for no other reason, it's one of the most historically significant venues because of that. But then when you see that after the, the Will's glory years were over, it became the place where you would see all the country stars. Um, and gosh, I don't even, you know, Buck Owens, Conway Twitty, Hank Thompson, um, Ray Price, so many people that were part of that you know, what, what the music was in the sixties, country music. And then in the seventies, it was the place where you could see all the artists with three names, Willis Allen Ramsey, Michael Martin Murphy, David Allen Coe, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard. Um, and then of course, you know, it, it just, it, it evolved into so many different things based on what was popular at the time. That's one of the things I really loved uh, when I was reading through this book is that it seems like most people, when they're talking about Kane's Ballroom, they kind of they skip from the Bob Wills days straight into the later years, but they don't really cover that dark period there between sort of the decline of Western Swing and what sort of became the cosmic cowboy thing that happened in the 70s. There was a 10-year period there in the 60s where you don't hear a whole lot about the Kane's Ballroom. But your book covers it, and I thought that was really interesting. I thought you wanted to talk well, about that. Well, thank you. We were, we're that's uh, that's Jared, right? Is that's our, right. Am I talking to Jared? It's okay, Jared. Yep. Thank you, Jared. I'm glad that you. I'm glad you you said something about that because that's the thing. One of the things I'm most proud of, and one of the reasons is uh, because just what you said. Nobody had ever talked about that. Nobody had ever talked about the Benny Ketchum era or mm -hmm. the the Jim Hardcastle era or or all of that. And there it was. It was a very unusual time. You know, there was. It came very close to becoming a boat storage facility at one point. Oh, yeah. At another time, and, and Brett and I took a long time to run this down, but at another time, if they were, somebody had an idea to make it into kind of a grand ballroom like they used to have in the, in the 30s and 40s during the big band era. And, uh, and, and I have to say that Brett, I have to give Brett a lot of, uh, lot of uh, credit for, for running down uh, people like Jim Hardcastle and people who knew what was going on during that time because you're right it is very it is a very neglected period in in the ballroom's history they didn't just go straight from bob wills to the hippie boys i mean there was a lot mm -hmm. of stuff in between right i love that section in the book where you talk about how close it came to becoming a, a boat warehouse um 
the, the uh, 80-year-old lady who owned it at the time had just sort of soured on the idea of running a, a, a ballroom and was just going to convert it. And then, what was it, two or three uh, guys from Holland Hall decided to look into renting the place out for a party <laughs> and changed everything, saved the whole ballroom. That's exactly, that's exactly right. It's very funny. Uh, and again, you know, she called them Mrs. Myers, who had the, 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 uh, the ballroom at the time. She called them hippies. Mm-hmm. She was talking about the hippies coming in, and the hippies, the hippie boys, sure enough, did come in, and, uh, and that's what saved it. But in between, you know, you're right. There's a stretch there that was really under-documented. And uh, I have to say also, in addition to, to, to Brett's research and work, that, that I was lucky enough to be at the Tulsa World writing about our music, uh, our Oklahoma and Tulsa music, for, for 23 years. And so I was able to collect uh, at least people like Benny, not collect people, but collect <laughs> stories from people like Benny Ketchum, uh, who who knew those stories when not a lot of people had talked about them. So between the two of us, I think we really uh, we really filled in the blanks in that period, and I'm really glad that you, you looked at that because I'm, I'm very proud of that part of the book. Yeah, it was fascinating. Were there any stories or facts that you guys discovered while you were writing this that surprised you, even you guys who knew a lot about it already? You know, that boat warehouse thing surprised me. That was a very surprising thing to me, and uh, the, the idea that, I mean, how close the Canes, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about the Canes right now, Jared, but, you know, because there'd be like a bunch of, like, you know, boats in it. Yep. So, <laughs> Thank you, Jim so, Edwards, for yeah, stepping in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Jim, yeah, Jim Edwards was a great, was a great source on that, and, and that was another surprising thing where they really... I don't want to give too much away on the book, but when they first came in, there was a kind of a dynamic tension there between uh, Jim Edwards and, and, and R.C. Bradley uh, and Jeff Nix about kind of which way to take the ballroom. And Jim Edwards wanted, he wanted the checkered tablecloths and uh-huh. the health food in there. <laughs> and uh, as you know from reading the book, he, he had a couple of incidents, incidents that uh, that made him realize that it probably wasn't going to be a, a, a San Francisco-style <laughs> listening room. It's honky tonk roots are uh, definitely uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. taking hold, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's also safe to say that if uh, if it had become a boat storage facility, OK Pop would not be uh, building where it's currently building. Right that's now true. Either, so. Domino effect there, right? Um, that's right. But I'll yeah. also say that um, you know, between John and I, we probably thought we knew about everything there was to know about about those Bob Wills years and and even Johnny Lee Wills to an extent and. And it was fascinating uncovering all the stuff that we uncovered. We found out that they had a theme song that I, and it's, it's never been recorded, but they had a, a theme song for Playboy Flower that, that we never knew existed to the melody of Alabama Jubilee. Um, and, and covered so many records from a collector in Oklahoma City um, that it showed just what a huge superstar Bob Wills was. He had ledgers of, of, of the how they would, how much money they would take in. And they, and they were pretty much working through the door um, there. Well, they were working through the door, obviously. Um, and uh, and you could just see it, how it would, even Johnny Lee Wills in the early 50s was still doing really well. And then mm-hmm. and then it starts changing and, not, and it, it coincides with rock and roll. And you can see the, the gate receipts just, just going down. Yeah. And just things like that, 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 you just always have this picture of of it being, um, you know, full wall to wall because that's the stories you heard. But it, you know, it did kind of was dying a, a 
a slow death like the music was and then it it persevered and then um alvin perry started booking it for owmao and then my uncle ray bingham um would he he had a circuit where he was doing um shows thursday friday and saturday thursday in enid oklahoma friday in in tulsa at canes and he'd have people like little jimmy dickens the lubin brothers Willie Nelson's first appearance there after he left Grave Christ, mm-hmm. which we we'll talk about in the book. Yep. And so all these people were coming through and um, and it kind of gave it a little bit more of a resurgence, if you will. And then it kind of then the highway comes in in the mid 60s. That was and, so interesting. Uh, I love that part of the book where they talk about how the highway almost destroyed Kane's ballroom. I mean, took their business away from them. Literally. Yes. Um, Two forty. It made it tough. Yep. Yeah. All just from losing a, a parking lot. Right. People didn't, exactly. People didn't want to walk well, blocks downtown. I guess even back then, downtown was seemed a little sketchy to people, so they wanted to be able to park right by the Canes and, and not have to walk blocks to get to it, and it almost uh, ruined their business. Well, it did, and of course, uh, uh, R.C. Bradley, who was a brilliant guy. I knew R.C. Bradley, uh, but I had never interviewed him about the Canes. We talked, but I'd never interviewed him. He died very young, and or relatively young, and uh, I, I should say right now, uh, a couple of guys... Uh, uh, who were in Tulsa in the 90s, Russ Florence and Steve Higgins. Steve's still in Tulsa. Russ is down in Oklahoma City. And uh, they they had started a Keynes book in the 90s, and they, it, it didn't come to fruition for some reason or other. And they gave us all of their notes. And, you know, I, I don't want to digress here, you guys, but, you know, I've written, I've spilled a barrel of ink on the Tulsa sound and what it may be or what it may not be or what the classic one was. And you, you start realizing that the Tulsa Sound came about because all of these guys played in each other's bands. And I have about come to the, uh, the, the idea that the Tulsa Sound was more of a brotherhood or a camaraderie than it was a particular sound. The, the sound grew out of the camaraderie and the, them helping one another. Well, the same thing happened, if, you, if I could stretch this metaphor, the same thing happened uh, with Russ, uh, Russ and Steve giving us, that, uh, giving us their, their notes. It made our book better because uh, we had what they had done, what they'd done before us. And I think that's, that's very, I think that's very Tulsa. Absolutely. So, you know, with all the research that you guys have done uh, and all the different shows that, you know, came through Kane's ballroom, if you guys could go back in time and witness one single show or one single artist, uh, who would it be? Brett, you want to go first? I know what mine is. That's like the Desert Island question. If I can only take one <laughs> record or one book, I don't really want to go. Um, so <laughs> I don't. I don't think I. I mean, I have to say Bob Wills because I never got to see Bob Wills, and and, and he's such an important part of my life. I mean, I'm I'm the business manager for Bob Wills Texas Playboys right now, and and really, I mean, the interesting thing is nobody in the band ever saw Bob perform live, um, and so. I, I mean, I absolutely have to say Bob Wills, but I, I mean, if I could have like a one A and one B, I would love to have seen Ray Price on that stage. Um, and I did get to see Ray Price later in life. Um, gosh, um, I, I'll stop there, but it's well, hard to know, pick one. Bob Wills uh, in the early 1940s, right before the war broke up the band. That's when Bob had the horns and the brass, he had the brass and the reeds and uh, a big band. 
And uh, although Uncle Art Satherly, as A&R man at, at his record label, never really liked Bob doing those big band songs, the big you know dance band songs, uh, with all the horns and everything, that to me was the most beautiful band ever. And, and I would have loved to have seen that band in about, about 1940, late 1940, right after New San Antonio Rose was recorded. And uh, in 1940 or early 41, and just just to hear that band in there, and I'm sure it was absolutely completely packed. But I will say, to jump uh, from that, the first show I remember seeing at the Canes Ballroom uh, was in 1981, and it was the Sir Douglas Quintet. They had kind of reformed uh, to do a, an album, had done an album called Border Wave. And I was a huge, and still am a huge, Sir Douglas Quintet fan. And um, they were playing there in the Skinner Brothers Band, which was Tom Skinner and his brothers, mm-hmm. obviously, and uh, was in, were in support. And that was the, the, one of the greatest shows I have ever seen in my life. And that was the first, and there was maybe 150 people, and there was just nobody there. And, and I would love to go back and see that show again. I love it. That's great. Um you guys have written extensively about the history of Canes and uh, the Tulsa scene. What do you think about live entertainment, the future of live entertainment and the scene in Tulsa currently? Brett, you want to take that one on too? Well, my travels take me out of town, unfortunately, mostly to see my live entertainment. Um, I will say that I would rather go see anybody at Canes than anywhere else in town. Um, not sure if I'm answering your question. It's just the intimacy of the venue, mm-hmm. um, everything about it. Um, there's some fabulous venues in town right now. Um, great places to see concerts. Um, I'd rather stand for an hour and a half in Canes and watch anybody though. Um, that's just, how I feel because it, it just, you you can tell the artists are more into it. Uh, you just, you can just tell. And, um, and when you hear people like, um, Chris Steely do, uh, do a Bob Wills tune, you know, um, every, everybody seems to send a nod out and that's stuff you're not going to see anywhere else. He's never going to do that tune again, probably. Right. Unless he comes back to things. Um, so that's cool to me as well. Still not sure I answered your question, but um, no, it's, it's, it's well, thriving for sure. But um, that's just kind of how I feel. And, and unfortunately, I don't see a lot of live music in Tulsa because my travels take me out of town mm-hmm. for music. And I was more uh, attuned to it, of course, when I was at the Tulsa World. And I've uh, amazingly enough, I've been away from there for um, 14 years now. And uh, at that time, it, it you know, if you'd asked me the question at that this that question at that time, I would say, well, it's it's on the way up and incrementally. But now, you know, what it's going to take, I believe, and I don't know for sure, but I think what it's going to take is it's going to take a little bit, uh, a, a lot of industry here, uh, recording studios, even right. labels, which we've got, and we're starting to get more and more, and we're starting, and, and when that happens. The only difference, uh, the only reason I think people, well, that's not true. The, 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 the Red Dirt guys used to tell me, well, they, you know, so many of them moved to, to Texas from, from Tulsa and Stillwater. They'd say, well, keep in, one of them told me, I can't remember who it was, uh, told me, well, keep in mind, just in Dallas and Fort Worth, there's more people than in the entire state of Oklahoma. 
Yeah. So some of it is a numbers game, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, we don't have, what do we got, uh, three-quarters of a million in the Tulsa area? It's something uh, like people. that, yeah. Something like that, and and, and so uh, the only th- having said that, the only real difference between Tulsa and Austin is Austin has an industry, mm-hmm. and Tulsa's beginning to get an industry, and I think it bodes really well for the future of entertainment in this town. Yeah, I mean, I you know, thank goodness for Kane's Ballroom, which has been such an anchor for the music scene in Tulsa. I think as long as as long as we have Kane's, will you know that scene will keep growing. Yeah, I just, uh, and to follow up on that, I think, you know, one thing that you guys talk about is the fan base that, that Bob Wills was able to, to to create while he was in Texas. And then that was the reason, in some ways, why he moved to Tulsa. And, um, I, you know, one question I have is, is you know, Canes is such an identity part of the, you know, what it means to be, grow up in Tulsa, be from Tulsa. And, uh, you know, there's, there's right now we're all social distancing, but how do you see that as a, as a, you know, uh, still a cultural influence moving forward as we get through these times of, of social distancing? Oh man, there's a question for you. Hey, hey, Brett, do that one. <laughs> <laughs> not to, not to get too heavy here. No, that's that's no. I think it's a I think it's a legitimate question. I'm interested in what Brad has to say, and by the time he talks, I'll have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't wait to get back out there, and I think that's the the big question is when are we going to be able to go to concerts again? Um, and because that's not something that you can. I don't know how you necessarily social distance a concert. So, um, yeah. so. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be huge when we can do that. I, I, I may go see people I wouldn't normally go see just because I want to get out there and, and, um, that's a tough one, Jeff. I <laughs> you know, I should have given me that one in advance. Brett, you remember on you remember when we did the uh, my uh, radio show swing on this? We did a live broadcast from the Canes uh, on March the seventh with your band, the, which uh, was Bob actually Bob. the last performance at Canes. The um, last performance at Canes. Today, getting ready to say, yeah. And you had your big industrial strength uh, Texas Playboys hand sanitizer there. I did. And we were all kind of, you know, we were like, you know, fist bumping and everything. And then all of a sudden it, it, it became real. And, um, I'm just, I think I'd like to get back to, uh, to where we were. I, it's hard to believe March the 7th, we were all packed in the canes. That was a sold out show, whatever. Right? It was. Yeah, it was incredible. I was there. Broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. You were there, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, there we were, and then all of a sudden, a week later, it's just all up in there. Nobody really knows. I mean, we just have no idea. I'm, you know, I'm old, but I didn't live through the 1918 flu epidemic, and that's really the last time something like this happened. So uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if that question can even be answered at this point. It's a, it's like a, a next chapter of Kane's ballroom history. People will be talking about about this in twenty years from now. Well, I'm 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 curious. The rest of our OK Pop team, um, I'm going to go with a, a question that that Jared asked uh, uh, John and Brett. What show would you go to, guys? Meg, Jared. Oh, yeah. that is such a 
a great question and terrible question because there's just there's so many. The, obviously, the Sex Pistols show would probably be my my pick just because it's you know built up as this crazy, insane thing that happened at Kane's, and I would love to have been a fly on the wall and and, and experienced right. it. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously for me as well, the Sex Pistols would be huge. Um, I would, I have three. Any of the Bob Will shows or Johnny Lee Will shows that were just packed out when it was at its heyday, I would love to have experienced that. Uh, the Sex Pistols, because of its historical importance, and I just happen to love that album, and I think they're more important than people realize at the time. And uh, as a drummer, I would like to see the police at, at the Canes when no one knew who they were because Stuart Copeland's my hero on drums, and I would like to have seen him in his young... Uh, forceful days when they were nobody and they were trying to, you know, really uh, uh, prove who they were. So that's a great, that's a great one. And, you know, that's one of the things that touches on what makes the cane so special as well. And I, I lay a lot of that on Larry Schaefer when he was there in the seventies and he starts getting relationships with these labels, specifically Warner brothers, but others as well, and starts booking the baby bands and starts getting bands like the police and you yep. two and Absolutely. Van Halen that are for five hundred dollars or seven fifty dollars or seven fifty a night because crazy. at that time, of course, the labels subsidized them so heavily, right. and uh, we're we're sitting out on the road seeing who would work and who wouldn't, and you know that spirit of being willing to try any act, and of course that's what led to the Sex Pistols thing, and you know that Sex Pistols story we have in the book is my favorite story in the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> I love and that one. Because, you know, I write fiction as well as nonfiction. And if I wrote that in any fiction, uh, that story that's in the book, uh, it would just be way too unbelievable. About the two friends who got on uh, a front, yes. front row seat? Yeah, yes. that was fantastic. <laughs> two guys that I knew from Chelsea. Uh, they were from Chelsea. They're a little younger than I, but but they were from Chelsea. And uh, that that's that whole story, and just imagine, and you're right, now that I think about it, that would have been a very interesting show to have, to have seen. And because if for nothing, nothing, no other reason, I should say, but people have differing, way differing um, remembrances of it. Sure. You mm -hmm. know, Chris and Johnny Lee, or Johnny Ray, thought that um, they played a regular set. Other people say, well, I just played, you know, a couple, 20 minutes and then left. And nobody really, it's really sort of shrouded in mystery of what the real show was really all about. And you're right, that would be a, that would be a great show to see. Yeah. Well, the thing that's best about, uh, I mean, my favorite history courses in school are always the ones with the best stories. And I'll say this book is just full of fantastic stories, story after story after story about what happened there. And that is incredibly intriguing to me. Um, I had no idea about half of them or probably more. So I, I just thought it was a real revelation, your book. Yeah, well, great job. You. I mean, yeah, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I learned I learned several things at the Tulsa World, and I think one of the biggest things that I learned is that people love stories. People love stories, and if you can tell stories, and it, 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 rather than just giving facts, then you're going to you're going to be able to hold a reader, and Absolutely. that was a really important thing when I was writing for the newspaper, when I'm writing articles for Oklahoma Magazine or whomever, and uh, and when, when I'm writing books. You, uh, the more stories you write, Jerry, the more stories, the better. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kane's Ballroom is full of stories, and uh, this, just the state of Oklahoma is um, just full of, chock full of them. So we're excited to continue that tradition at OK Pop of, of telling Oklahoma stories in the future. So, John and Brett. I've got one story that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, tell, go ahead. 
I've got one story that didn't make it into the book that I think kind of sums up um, how artists feel about canes. And and I need to qualify my Ray Price, my 1A of Ray Price. I did get to see Ray Price in the early 2000s. Um, I'm talking about the time when he had Buddy Emmons playing steel and Willie Nelson playing his band and mm-hmm. Johnny Bush playing drums because those guys are all heroes to me just like bob wills and so i can't imagine what that might have been like to see them there but the story i was going to tell that, that didn't make it into the book because it applied to a later time period was uh, dina carter's brother jeff um played in her band when they came through and i don't know probably about 0304 john you might remember you wrote a story about it um but he he said the main thing he wanted one of the reasons he wanted to play Canes is to get that sticker to put on his guitar case because <laughs> when he'd see that on other with other musicians that he, he thought it was cool and when they saw it on his oh you played Canes and that just meant something to those guys and um, I, I thought that was pretty profound and I wish we could have found a way to get that in but it was from a different era and we didn't. We had to stop somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so tell people how you can get the book. Well, soon when we are able to um, congregate again, it will be available in where you can actually go pick it up um, in, in some local venues. Right now, uh, Buck Adams, Cosmic Curios, has it in Tulsa. And as she's doing a couple days of, of uh, curbside, she... Um, well, if I should say that I don't know when this is going to run. She texted me this morning and already sold out of her first order, but she's already got a second order on the way. That's so, awesome. um, so we're excited about that. And of course, um, anywhere um, you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera, et cetera, online. Um, and it should be pretty easy to find. You could search John. Um, strangely enough, you can search me, even though I'm, this is my first foray and it'll pop up. Um, like Kane's Ballroom, but or 20th Century Honky Tonk, but it's it's um we're actually doing really well on Amazon apparently. Um, we have a little banner saying number one new release on our yeah, when you pull it up. history and criticism. We were the number one new release on Amazon, which wow. is pretty cool. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah that is great, guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. We we're pretty pumped about it. Well, we're just yeah, we're but, just um, good. No, you can pick it up. You can order it through Mary Beth at Buck Adams right now, or uh, I'm sure Magic City will be carrying it. Um, And uh, and if there becomes more, we'll let that out. And I bet the OK Pop Facebook page will share it. Absolutely. Well, I know that I'd Reds is also interested in. I'd Reds is also interested in carrying it. Uh, uh, Angeline Ripley is is uh, interested in carrying it as well, and I'm sure there'll be other places. I know I've got a book. It's such a weird home. time because shipping is is so weird right now. And mm-hmm. I have some people who got the book have told me they got the book within a few days from Amazon, and then others who ordered it the first week and still haven't gotten it. So, you know, we don't um, have ours yet. We ordered. Yeah, it. We, we don't have any yet. Uh, we don't have ours. No. Luckily, we know what's in it, but still. Well, thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. We're huge fans of both of you, and we've been following this project for a long time, and we're so excited that you've got it out, and uh, we can't wait. We're going to – you better keep it in um, in print because we're going to sell a bunch at the uh, OK Pop shop at OK Pop when oh, we open in a couple years. That's so. wonderful. Well, thank, yeah, thank you for – thank you 
all three of you for for doing this. We really appreciate it, and we Absolutely. do want to give a shout out to Bill Bernhardt uh, and his his publishing house, Babylon Books. Bill and I go back a long ways. Bill, of course, is a New York Times bestselling author, but he also has always had a, a kind of a boutique publishing company that he's that he's published mostly Oklahoma authors, and he's certainly been good to me down through the years. And so, I want to give a shout out to to uh, to him and Laura, uh, his, his wife, uh, for for believing in the project, as they say. And let's also shout out to uh, Muller House, John, Absolutely. for the great design work. Absolutely. Muller House here in Tulsa, the Muller House uh, Publishing Arts did our design work and just did a terrific job on that. They were really good. Well, that's super, folks. The uh, book is 20th Century Honky Tonk. The authors are John Woolley, Brett Bingham, and we're the OK Pop team. Uh, Meg, Jared, and Jeff signing off. Um, Go buy some books, read during this time of Corona, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks.